1160 AM KVCE presents Texas Money and Business. From investing your money to running a business, get all the information you need to know on Texas Money and Business. Now here's your host, Ron Taylor. Indeed it is Texas Money and Business. It's so good to have you right here. Joining us this morning on 1160 AM KVCE. Great to have you here. We have a great show coming up here, so you want to stay right where you are. In fact, uh, pick up the phone or get on your social media and tell your friends to tune in because Doug Parker is here with the Ambitious Radio Network. And, Doug, it's going to be a great show. We have a very special guest today, don't we? We sure do, and I'm so excited to have Bo Burlingham, the editor-at-large at Inc. Magazine, is going to be on the call. He's also an author of many books, and we're going to talk a lot about that today, and we're just real excited to have him uh, on the show with us today. Welcome, Bo. Glad to be here, Ron and Doug. As we kind of get started, just going to you know kind of talk a little bit about, uh, number one, our sponsors. We're so thankful to have uh, sponsors that make this, this show possible. Uh, we're going to talk about business and entrepreneurism, and, and who better to have than Bo? He, he's known quite a few over the years and written multiple books on it. But um, all this is made possible by FreeElectricityDFW.com, RepairMyCreditNow.com. If you've got any credit issues, you might want to go there, and All3Reports.com. That's all three, the number three, reports with an S.com for credit monitoring and such. Uh, today we're going to talk uh, really to Bo, get to know him a little bit. I've known Bo for several years. I met him uh, probably, I don't know, sometime in the last eight or ten years. We were uh, on the Inc. 500 as one of the fastest growing privately held companies in America, and somehow or another I got into a, a small group with Bo and started talking to him and read a couple of his books and then was just so so taken away by some of the, the different concepts and, and things that he had written about that I reached out to him and really uh, with, with his first book, we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, or the first book that I was really introduced to, I should say, was Small Giants. Um, through that process, really has a, a very uh, unique spin on things. And, and Bo, um, kind of t- tell us a little bit about, about that book and how you kind of came up with the concept of, of writing Small Giants. Well, sure, Doug. I, um, I, I think when I wrote it, uh, the in in the uh, early 2000s, it was uh, actually about 12 or 13 years ago that I got started on it. And by then, I'd been at Inc. for about Inc. Magazine for about 20 years, and uh, I'd seen an awful lot of companies. And um, it was very interesting because uh, while a lot of these companies were, uh, you know, very much focused on growing as fast as possible and getting as big as possible. There were some of them which really had decided that they weren't going to do that because they had uh, other goals that they considered more important than getting as big as possible as fast as possible. And um, some of them were really, really great companies. I mean, companies that, you know, if you asked anybody in their industry, what were the top companies in their industry? Well, you know, these companies, even though they weren't the biggest, uh, they were regarded as uh, absolutely the best or one of the best. And um, I decided, you know, it'd be interesting to uh, write a book uh, about um, about companies like that and, um, you know, sort of see what they have in common. What what have they done to uh, to 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 make this decision, which at the time it's a, it's a little more complicated common these days for people to make that decision. But back then, uh, it was almost unheard of that uh, you would start a company and not try to grow it as fast as possible and get it as big as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in the title, it talks about, you know, to they chose to be great instead of big. And, you know, one of the companies that, that comes to mind is, is Zingerman's. 
up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and you know I've I've been up to to see Ari and Paul and and really a lot of the different operations that they have there, and it is such a, a unique company. I think maybe I forget the exact title of it. You can probably correct me on this, but it was something like the coolest small company in America or something. Yeah, I recognized it one time for. Yeah, I wrote an, I wrote an article uh, about them. I'd um, you know I'd heard about them over the years, and I'd, I'd met Ari. Uh, Weinswag was one of the founders at a conference, and uh, I decided to uh, go up and write an article about them for Inc. And um, it turned out they had a really fascinating story. Um, you know, they had uh, been started the Zingerman's Delicatessen had been started in Ann Arbor, Michigan, in 1982 by uh, two guys who were in the restaurant business. I mean. <laughs> They were in the restaurant business in the sense that they washed dishes and bust tables. Uh, and they got to talking and uh, decided that what Ann Arbor really needed was a great delicatessen, that you couldn't get a, a good pastrami sandwich in, in Ann Arbor. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another, and they uh, started Zingerman's Delicatessen. And their goal was to create, uh, you know, a really great delicatessen that was going to be unique. Uh, it wasn't going to be a copy of any of the other great delicatessens out there around the world. It was going to be something that um, was, you know, just great and unique and, um, uh, you know, and, and, and really recognized as being uh, one of the great delicatessens of the world. And, you know, they started in 1982. Ten years later, they'd actually achieved that. I mean, they'd been written up in, Esquire magazine and in uh, Gourmet and Bon Appetit and the Washington Post and uh, Esquire magazine. And, you know, when you ever ask people about uh, who are in the industry, what are the great delicatessens of the world? Zingerman's was on their list. So they came to a crossroads that uh, a lot of successful companies get to, namely, what do we do next? We achieve what we set out to do. What are we going to do next? And they had lots of options. Uh, because they were so well-known, um, they already had people coming to them wanting to set up Zingerman's Delicatessens in other cities around the country. So they could have franchised. They could have raised private equity and, and you know, grown that way. But um, Ari and Paul Saginaw, is, the co-founders, um, decided that they really didn't want to do that, that they'd set out to create something that was going to be great and unique. And when you start reproducing, replicating something. It's no longer unique by definition. And a lot of times it's not even very good, let alone great. Uh, and so they they decided they were going to do something different, but they weren't sure what. They spent two years talking about it. And in 1994, uh, they came out with a plan that they called Zingerman's 2009. And it was actually their vision of what the company was going to look like 15 years in the future. And uh, they said, you know, we're, we're not just going to be a delicatessen anymore. We're going to be a whole community of businesses. Uh, and, and these businesses are all going to be located in the Ann Arbor area. Um, and each one of them uh, is going to be food related. Uh, and, and it's going to be great and unique in, its, uh, in, in whatever its specialty was. So by the time I went to visit them in uh, 2002, um, you know, they were well over halfway to achieving that. They had a 
world-class bakery that had won all kinds of awards was actually called Zingerman's Bakehouse. It was actually uh, bigger than the Delicatessen by that time. They had a fabulous uh, restaurant uh, with a, uh, a chef who was a James Beard uh, uh, Award finalist uh, called Zingerman's Roadhouse. They had a mail-order company. They had a coffee roasting company. Uh, they had a um, a company that made uh, gelato and cheese called Zingerman's Creamery. Uh, um, they had a chocolate company. So they had all of these food-related companies. But the thing that really struck me most about them was their ability to attract just great people to come and work in this fabulous environment. Uh, you know, they had people who had had great jobs at uh, national accounting firms, uh, and they left them in order to go to Ann Arbor and be a baker. Uh, they had people who who, had, who were entrepreneurs who uh, had sold their companies in order to um, come to Ann Arbor and, and make cheese. Uh, they, they had people who had had uh, jobs in, in large companies who had taken very, very significant pay cuts uh, to be part of this community of businesses, Zingerman's community of businesses that they'd set up in Ann Arbor. They just had it's something very special going for them. And that was really the story I wrote. It was, uh, you know, and as you mentioned, Doug, it, it, it appeared in uh, January of 2003, and it was called The Coolest Small Company in America. And it really is a very unique one. And that was the really the story that sort of uh, – uh, gave birth to small giants uh, because, you know, the question was here they had had this opportunity uh, to, to to get much bigger, much faster, and they'd chosen not to because they had these other goals that they considered more important. Well, great. Uh, coming up in the next segment, uh, we're going to take some uh, time to discuss one of uh, Bo's other books, Finish Big, and it's uh, How Great Entrepreneurs exit their companies on top, and we look forward to hearing about that. Thanks for uh, tuning in today on KBCE. We're visiting with Bo Burlingham of Inc. Magazine. More coming up next. Now back to Texas Money and Business with your host, Ron Taylor. Oh, yeah, that's me, Ron Taylor, and, and Doug Parker is here also. Bo Burlingham joining us. We're all together on Skype. We have to give uh, props, guys, to the technology of Skype, uh, else we would sound like we're on the phone, which would be fine, but now we sound like we're much better than that. So it's it's good to have you guys here. It is, uh, of course, Texas Money and Business and the ambitious radio network. Doug Parker, it's all yours. Well, hey, thanks, Aaron, and, and Bo. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm I'm always impressed by the time I get to spend with Bo whenever I can. Uh, over the years, I've had an opportunity to participate. We talked about small giants, the book, a little bit earlier. There's also a small giants community that we'll talk about a little later in the show, and how folks can get involved in that. But I've had an opportunity to travel really all over the country and study several companies with Bo, and kind of get a back star or backstage rock star pass to check out what companies are doing, some of their best practices, practices, some of their struggles. But one of the things that, that Bo is continually doing is working with entrepreneurs, talking to them, and coming up with uh, their stories and, and really being able to put their, their thoughts and, and visions uh, down in print. And so in his, in his most recent book, uh, Bo's got a, uh, one called Finish Big, How Great Entrepreneurs Take Their Companies to the Top. And so, Bo, let's talk about that a little bit. Tell, tell us how you came up with that idea. I've gone through the book. I've read about half of it, and, um, and, and, and it's just a phenomenal 
how different entrepreneurs have different visions and different exit strategies, and, and some of their ex, some some exit strategies are just to die. They're going to stay there until it's over. Um, others have a more uh, you know written plan. But let's talk a little bit about the book and, and how you came up with the folks to put in there and those types of things. Well, it actually started, Doug. You know, I at Inc. I do a column with a guy who you know named Norm Brodsky, uh, who, who's a very successful entrepreneur, and I've been doing this column with him for the last oh twenty years. Um, and back in uh, two thousand and six, he, um, he he showed up. Well, I got together with him one day to talk about what our, our next column was going to be for Inc. And he mentioned that uh, he'd just been to a trade show event and uh, that while he was there, he'd been approached by a private equity firm that wanted to buy his company. And he said, well, I'm not sure I'm ready to sell. And if I did, you know, I'd have some conditions. And they said, what are the conditions? And he named them and uh, much to his surprise, they had no problem with them. Uh, so he said, well, gee, uh, OK, let's talk about it. And you know, essentially, he had an uh, offer for his business, and um, I thought, gee, that's really interesting. You know, maybe that should be our next column, writing about you're getting this offer for your business. So we started writing about it, and we wrote one article, and then we some other stuff had happened. So then we wrote another article, and we kept writing this series of articles. There were I think 11 in all that really sort of uh, looked at what was going on with his negotiations to sell his company on a, on a you know, on a real time basis. And what struck me was we, we got this huge response uh, from our readers. There were people who were just, you know, they were anxious to find out what was going on. Sometimes Norm would get stopped on the street to ask him uh you know, well, what's going on? Are you selling your business? What, where, what's, where does it stand? And, you know, at one point we asked uh, readers to send in uh, suggestions uh, to Norm about what he should do. And we, we were just overwhelmed, you know, got hundreds of emails, uh, most of them urging Norm to go ahead and sell the business. And, um, you know, we, we we went through the whole thing. Uh, at one point he finally decided, yes, he was going to go through with the sale. And we uh, actually uh, wrote a, wrote the story about it, and the editor of Inc., uh, Jane Berenson, thought it was such a big deal she was going to put it on the cover, so she did. Um, and then two weeks later, I called him up to find out what if you know he's getting ready for the closing, and I asked him what was going on, and he said, "Well, I decided not to sell the business." Uh, this was a shock. Uh, <laughs> And it turned out that uh, he'd found something out about the buyers that made him realize he couldn't trust them to keep their promises uh, that they'd made about how they were going to treat his employees afterwards. Uh, so he pulled back uh, from it. But, you know, what I took out of that was that there was just, just this enormous curiosity uh, among entrepreneurs about what it's like to go through this process. So I um, – got a book contract to go out and the first thing I realized was that I knew very little about it so I went out and I uh, started interviewing entrepreneurs who'd um, sold their businesses or or left their businesses one way or another um, and you know in the end I probably you know did somewhere between 100 150 interviews uh, with people and uh, what I found was that about half of them 
when it was all was said and done, uh, were happy uh, and sort of had moved on um, and, you know, felt okay about how the process had gone. And there were about the other half were totally miserable, uh, filled with regrets, wish they had um, never thought, never just never sold their businesses. Uh, and so I. I, I decided, okay, well, what's the difference between the ones who are happy and the ones who are sad? What did the ones who are happy do that the ones who are, you know, um, really upset and uh, full of regrets, what didn't they do? And, and, you know, vice versa. And that's really what the book is about. It's about how do you, you know, it comes as a shock to a lot of people, but every entrepreneur, every business owner, uh, sooner or later leaves his or her business, you know, they may leave feet first, but they are going to leave. And every business sooner or later gets sold uh, or liquidated, one or the other. It may be sold to your children. It may be sold to your employees, uh, may be sold to a third party, or it may not have a buyer and just be sort of laid to rest. But these are things that are inevitable and things that you that you really should be thinking about from a very early stage. Uh, for two reasons. Number one, of course, you'll, you'll probably have a much uh, better end to your journey if you if you are planning for it from an early stage. But number two, you'll have a better company if uh, as you're going along. Um, and so really, those are the, the, the major themes of the book, Doug. Sure, sure. Absolutely. And, and, you know, when you go through it, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they, they get into something. It, it seems like a, a business that they enjoy doing or they've got some talent doing it or, or, you know, something along those lines. And before you know it, you know, they're, they're doing it full time and now they've got some staff. And so sometimes you can look up, have a very successful business. And as you mentioned, really haven't planned for that level of success or, or put a real significant you know, business plan in place. Um, in, in your experience and the folks that you interviewed, um, what, what's one or two things that maybe uh, an entrepreneur that maybe has a, a business they've had for a, for a few years, it seems to be doing okay, and, they, and they're starting to think, you know what, at some point, I'm seeing the, the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm thinking it might be a three- to five-year strategy of, of kind of putting something together to, to, to transition. What, what would be one or two things that you might give them as advice for, from some of the folks that you've talked to? Well, I, I, one of the conclusions that I drew uh, from the, um, you know, the reporting I did is uh, there are two things. Number one, you need to realize that when you go out and you start a business, what you're doing is you're you're on a journey, and like any journey, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And the end isn't when you build a company. That's the middle. The end is when you leave that company, and um, the other thing I learned, which I think is really important to keep in mind, is that, you know, most of us think of the exit uh, as an event in the life of a business. But that, I realize that's the wrong way to look at it, that, in fact, uh, the exit is a phase of the business. And like, you know, you have the startup phase, you have the growth phase, well, you have the exit phase, and there are actually four stages to it. And the first stage is the one it's very important but a lot of people skip over it and that is where you just educate yourself about what are the possibilities uh what are the experiences of other people uh, what are the kind of choices you're going to have uh what kind of help do you need there's a whole education process that you need to go through that that's stage one stage two is the strategic phase that's when you build into your company uh the kind of 
qualities that are going to allow you to have the, the kind of exit you want. Uh, number three is the execution stage. And unfortunately, that's where most people start. That's when you, you know, you call up a broker, you call up a investment banker, or you talk to your lawyer, or your accountant, and you say, okay, I want to find a buyer. Um, if you start there, as most people do, the chances of your having uh, a good exit are greatly, greatly reduced. Um, and then there's the fourth stage, which uh, people tend to forget about, but it's absolutely critical. And that's what happens after the deal is done, after you've left. Your exit isn't really over until you really put the company behind you and you've moved on to something else that you're engaged in and happy to be part of. And you can look back on the business that you built with a, a lot of pride, knowing that you've contributed something good to the world. But you've, uh, you know, you've moved on. And, um, you know, that can be a very, very difficult period uh, for people. I write about one person in the book, uh, took him 15 years uh, to get through that stage. Uh, he, you know, after he sold his business, he was he went through this long period where he just felt confused. It was like he didn't know who he was anymore. Uh, he, he felt uh, just disconnected. All the people who he used to go to see every day and he saw them every day, worked with them every day, suddenly they weren't around anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that, that, we'll take a break here. Go, go ahead. Yeah, not, not, not to interrupt you there, Bo, but that, that can happen. I mean, a lot of times with entrepreneurs and small business folks, you know, you build relationships, you get to know people, and they kind of become part of your extended family and your daily activities. So I could see how someone could very easily uh, kind of get a little uh, a little confused or lost after they didn't have that to go in on a day-to-day -day basis. So great information on Finish Big, uh, Bo's brand-new book. This is uh, Bo Burlingham, editor-at-large at Inc. Magazine, with us today on the Ambitious Radio Network. And uh, tune in next. We're going to go through a couple of other uh, interesting uh, topics that, that Bo has on his mind and look forward to it right here on KBC. Hello, this is Doug Parker with Repair My Credit Now and AmbitiousRadio.com. Building relationships with other values-driven leaders gives me the ability to build a stronger business that has a greater impact on the lives of every person my company touches. I'm proud to be part of the Small Giants community, an organization for values-driven business leaders that breaks down the geography, industry, business life cycle barriers to bring me new ideas, practices, and insights that help me change my little part of the world. It's collaborative and peer-driven environment that makes the resources extremely approachable and attainable for me to put into practice. Visit smallgiants.org for more information about the community and make plans to join leaders from around the world at the 2015 Small Giants Summit right here in Dallas, Texas on September 20th through 23rd. It's three days of intimate learning with world-changing leaders that you won't find anywhere else. That's smallgiants.org for more information. The information you need to know, it's Texas Money and Business with your host, Ron Taylor. It is Texas Money and Business right here on 1160 AM KVCE. My name is Ron Taylor. Doug Parker here with the Ambitious Radio Network. Made possible by our good sponsors, FreeElectricityDFW.com, RepairMyCreditNow.com, and All3Reports.com. That is All3, the number three, reports with an S.com. And, Doug, it's uh, good to see you, man. We've got a great guest today. Today we're talking to Bo Burlingham, editor-at-large at Inc. Magazine and author of several best-selling books. Um, Bo, let's, let's talk for just a minute. I mean, what, what would you say uh, – we've talked about Small Johns. We've talked about your most recent book. But do you have a favorite book? I mean, I know that's probably like picking a favorite child. But um, do you have a favorite book that you've written? Well, aside from the two that you've mentioned – 
there there are a couple of others that I think have uh, you know have had an impact uh, and and you know that's where as a writer that's where I get my pleasure it's from hearing uh, people responding and saying that they've got something of value um, out of my uh, out of my books um, and one of the ones that has had a tremendous impact is actually a book I wrote with a guy named Jack Stack who is the co-founder and CEO of a company called SRC Holdings in Springfield, Missouri. Um, actually, it used to be called, it was originally called Springfield Remanufacturing uh, Company. And um, it's, uh, that was, it was started about um, over 30 years ago. Um, it was originally uh, just a factory that was owned by International Harvester, uh, which, you know, was like one of the largest companies in the world, but made a lot of mistakes in the late 70s um, and wound up uh, just almost getting into bankruptcy in the early 1980s. And they were uh, it was a, in the midst of a recession. They were selling off uh, their assets right and left, closing things down. And uh, um, the the managers of this factory in Springfield, um, Missouri, uh, were afraid that uh, they were going to close down the factory or they were going to sell it to somebody who was going to move it uh, and they'd all be out of jobs. And so they uh, put in a bid for the factory and much to their surprise, the bid was accepted. And um, then they had to figure out how to pay for it. They, they And uh, they wound up they were able to sort of scrounge together. There were 13 of them. They were able to scrounge together about, um, you know, $150,000 among themselves. And then they went out and they borrowed uh, $8.9 million uh, from uh, the Bank of America, uh, which – I mean, the, the person who made the loan was fired the week before the deal closed. I bet so. It was probably the, the worst leverage buyout in the history of mankind. Uh, they start out with an 89 to 1 debt to equity ratio. You know, banks get nervous when you have more than a 2 to 1 debt to equity ratio. And right. there they were at 89 to 1. And, and uh, they were sort of saying, OK, how are we going to make this work? And they realized that, well, um, there were two things that they couldn't do. Number one, um, they couldn't run out of cash because if they failed to make a payment, they knew the bank was going to come right in and seize the assets and sell them off and they'd be out on the street. Uh, and the second thing they couldn't do was to start fighting over things because if they started – you know, sort of destroying themselves from within, then they'd take their eye off the ball. They wouldn't, they would run out of cash and, you know, they'd wind up out of business. So they said, well, how are we going to make sure that everybody's on the same wavelength here? And they said, well, you know, um, the, the really the way that you know how to, what's going on in a business is that you um, have to read the financial statements. They can tell you what's going on. And, so they went out to everybody and I understand they had about 120 employees. A lot of them, you know, this was not a glamorous business. This was a business in which you would get old engines, that worn out engines, dirty, greasy engines 
take them apart, throw away what uh, the parts that were worn out, save the parts that were good, uh, replace or fix the the other parts, and then put the engines back together. That's what engine remanufacturing is all about. So you had a lot of people doing this. You know, these were not uh, college graduates. In many cases, in some cases, they weren't even high school graduates. But they went out and they went out in the shop floor and they said to people, look, business is not as complicated as you think it is. Uh, you don't need an MBA to understand it. Uh, basically, the thing you have to understand is that business is a game, you know, and it's no more complicated than any of those games like football, basketball, baseball that you bet on every weekend. But in order to in order to play the game, you've got to get it. You've got to understand it. And there are there are really sort of three conditions to that. Number one, you have to know what the rules are. Um Number two, you have to get enough information so that you can follow the action and keep score. And number three, you need to care whether or not you win or lose. You need to have a stake in the outcome. So they said, we're going to set up the entire company around those principles. So they, they did. They set up the entire company around those principles. They set up a bonus plan um, where – there were two targets. One was to reduce debt and the other was to generate a profit. And they set up a whole game around that uh, with goals and everything. And if you if you made so much in the first quarter, then you could uh, then you could get a certain part of the bonus pool. Um, if you missed it, then it would roll over to the second quarter. Uh, you could gain it then. If you missed it, then it could roll over to the third quarter, you know, and so forth. Um and they began holding meetings and sort of teaching everybody, look, these, this is how you can tell how you're doing in this game. Are you winning or losing? And they began doing that. And um, let's just say that after this is uh, they called this um, the great game of business. And they um, used it throughout the company. The first year, they had $16 million in sales uh, and they lost $400,000. Since then, they have never had an unprofitable quarter. Uh, today, they're um, more than a half a billion dollar business. Uh, they, they've started all kinds of companies along the way. They've got like 16 different companies now. Um, those companies are run by people who've learned about business by playing the great game of business, some of the general managers, uh, you know, started out as customer service reps or, um, you, you know, janitor in one case uh, or, or secretaries. Uh, but they've learned about business. And, um, you know, it's just like an incredibly successful business. And you have a whole business full of people uh, who really understand how businesses work and how they need to work together in order to build a successful business. So, uh, you know, we wrote up this system uh, with Jack and I in a book called The Great Game of Business. And, you know, that was quite a while ago. That was uh, 25 years ago. And um, it's it's caught on. There are actually, you know, um, thousands of companies out there that have uh, adopted 
this and and every year they hold a conference in St. Louis. In fact, there's going to be one um, in just a couple of weeks in, in St. Louis called the Gathering of Games. And that's when all these companies come together to talk about what they're doing and how they're doing. Um, and so I, I, I would say that that that's certainly one of the books that I uh, get a great deal of uh, pleasure out of because I see that, um, you know, it contained ideas that uh, people have used and they've used it to improve their own companies. Well, Bo, that's great. Uh, guys, we're talking to Bo Burlingham, the editor-at-large at Inc. Magazine and author of The Great Game of Business, along with Jack Stack and several other books. Um, but I'm glad you brought that book up. That was the one that I felt like you would say, and, and I, that's kind of had some notes on it. Uh, a couple years ago, I was uh, had the pleasure of actually going to Springfield and spending a couple of days there with Bo and, and another group of kind of quote-unquote small giants, as, as our group is called. And we're going to talk about that in the next segment, so make sure to tune in here on KBCE. The best financial and business experts in DFW, it's Texas Money and Business with your host, Ron Taylor. Back with you here on Texas Money and Business. And, folks, it's a great show today. Doug, man, you're knocking uh, over the fence here with these great guests, buddy. I can't commend you enough. Uh, welcome back to uh, Ambitious Radio Network. Doug Parker, take it away. Yes, sir. So, uh, Bo, thanks again so much for uh, for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know you mentioned that you were uh, maybe visiting a relative and, and carved out some time to spend with us today uh, from from the West Coast. But um, you know, we've gone over a couple of your books and, and some of those types of things. And you know, you and I over the years have had multiple conversations and, and talked about entrepreneurism and different things. And uh, one time you mentioned something to me to the effect that I was talking about some business or different things that you did, and you said, "Look, Doug, I'm a writer." You guys are the entrepreneurs. Y'all do what you do, and I'm going to write about it because that's just not my deal. But one of the very neat things I think that's come out of uh, knowing you, for me for sure, but for, for many others because I've heard them talk about it, is the Small Giants community. And so it came out of the book, uh, Small Giants, and uh, Paul Spiegelman here uh, from the local, from the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, um, just kind of you know, seemingly picked up the ball and ran with it and, and applied some of those principles uh, to, a, to a group setting where uh, there were companies out there that, that you had mentioned, you know, maybe um, you, you knew about these small giants that you found, and then after the book came out, you found out there were many more across the country. And actually, I guess it's international now. But let's talk a little bit about small giants. I know there's a summit that's coming up, and it happens to be right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex this year, which is fantastic. But let's talk about the small giants community and kind of how that spun out of the book. Well, sure, Doug. Um, you know, as you said, uh, after the book came out, uh, a lot of people came to me um, who identified with the companies in the book and said, you know, that's really what we're uh, trying to do. But um, we don't have we would like to be able to talk to other companies like this, but we don't know how to find them or anything. And, um, you, you know, you should really there are business opportunities here. You should really take advantage of them. And. I, I agreed with them that there were business opportunities, and I said it calls for an entrepreneur, and uh, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm a writer. Um, but, you know, one of the people who was uh, making this argument to me was Paul Spiegelman, uh, who had a company called Barrel Health um, and in the, in the Dallas area. And, you know, it was one of those companies that if I'd known about it before I'd written Small Giants, I would certainly have included it in the book 
it was a, a truly, uh, you know, a great, great uh, company uh, that exemplified everything uh, that I'd written about in Small Giants. And so Paul said, you know, you really ought to do something with this. And I said, look, Paul, you're an entrepreneur. If you want to do something with this, I will support you. Uh, but somebody else has got to take the lead here. And he said, okay. And he proceeded to, uh, well, he and I proceeded to uh, uh, announce that uh, we were creating something called the Small Giants Community. And we began inviting uh, people who we ran into, to, including you, Doug, uh, to, you know, to join us and to be part of it. And um, out of that grew um, a couple of different things. Number one, as you mentioned, we began having these uh, summits once a year uh, where companies, uh, small giants companies could come together and learn from each other. Uh, and as you mentioned, there's one coming up in Dallas. Uh, if you want to find out about it, you can go to smallgiants.org um, and uh, you can get all the information there about it. Uh, it's actually happening on September 21st uh, and 22nd uh, in Dallas. Uh, and there'll be a lot of great companies there. I'm sure it'll be, a, you know, a great event. Uh, we also do um, what are called uh, passport visits, uh, which is one of the things that you were referring to, Doug, where we get together a bunch of small giants and uh, we go and visit uh, really great companies, sort of role model companies. And, you know, as you as you mentioned, we did one to uh, Springfield, uh, Missouri to visit SRC Holdings. Uh, we did one to Ann Arbor uh, to visit uh, Zingerman's. Uh, we've done a, 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 a several others. We, we, uh, There's another group that came out to the San Francisco Bay Area and visited Cliff Bar. We had another group that went to New York and visited the Union Square Hospitality Group. So these are, you know, great events, uh, learning events uh, for um, entrepreneurs uh, who aspire to have great companies. Um, and then we also have a regular newsletter uh, that comes out and um, uh, events that are called fishbowl events, uh, which is uh, somebody, we will find somebody to uh, who has something to share with the group and you can sign up. If you're a member, it's all free. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of these uh, different uh, things that are going on where it really does offer an opportunity uh, for people who do have that aspiration to, you know, build a great company to, uh, you know, learn from each other. Um, sure, sure, sure. Well, and, and Bo, just to clarify, too, so, you know, you and I use the, the term small giants. We kind of interchange it in a couple of different places. So some of these folks might be aspiring small giants that they want a company uh, right. to, to be that. And then others might you know, legitimately be small giants. They, they uh, operate in a manner that's consistent with being a small giant. There's a basic you know, pledge that you kind of take that says, hey, I'll, I'll conduct my business in, in this manner. But um, you, know, you, you don't necessarily have to have been written up in one of Bo's books as a small giant to be part of this group. So it's not, it's not an exclusive um, in, in that manner. But, uh, but I just want to clarify that because sometimes people might think, well, that sounds really cool. I wish I could be part of that. And you can. It's, yeah, it's a matter right. of going to smallgiants.org, 
uh, getting signed up there, and, and, and we've got some great folks that, that help out to help coordinate everything. Glenn Burr, I think, uh, is, is one, of the, one of the best guys I've ever seen at, at really uh, facilitating the groups and helping to get everything put together, and he's a part of the team that I think Bo would agree we, we just couldn't do what we do without him. Well, that's for sure, Doug. Uh, and, you know, you, the point you make is absolutely right. I will say this. Um, most of the companies in my book would describe themselves as aspiring small giants. The the truth is you never really get there. Right. Um, you, you know, you have certain goals that you aspire to, that you want to, you know, you want to have an impact on your community. You want to have a really great place to work that people just love coming into work uh, every day. Uh, you know, you know, you want to provide just fantastic customer service, but business is business, you know, it's life. And, you know, mistakes get made and they happen to all companies. And, you know, it really is when you're challenged uh, that you um, really are put to the test and figured out, OK, how are we going to solve this in a way that's consistent with our principles? And that can be very tough sometimes. Yes, sir. That that it can. It, it really can. So when we talk about, you know, as we kind of start wrapping up the segment, if folks wanted to, to get in touch with you, Bo, and obviously, you know, purchase uh, a copy of Ink Magazine, you're always writing something up in there. Additionally, you've got, you know, tons of books, bestsellers, and I think I've read probably every one of them, if I'm not mistaken, and I will assure you that it is well worth the investment of whatever it costs, but, but most importantly, nowadays, it's the time it takes to go through those things, and, and they are very much worth your time to, to read or, or listen to these books, and we'll put up a list of all of his books on the, on the website on ambitiousradio.com, so you'll know what all are available, but if somebody wants to you know, connect or buy your books, what's the best way to do that, Bo? Well, I have a website. Um, it's it's, it's Bo, simply boburlingham.com. Okay. Um, and you can certainly go there and there are ways that, you know, the write ups of the of the various books. And uh, if, if you want to purchase one, um, you know, you can click through to um, Amazon or to, uh, you know, any of, uh, of the other places. I uh, there are a lot of, you know, fine local bookstores around, most of which uh, carry the books. So um, that's great. I. Um, I and and you know there's a way to contact me through the website. It's just Bo at boburlingham.com, and uh, I welcome uh, you all. <laughs> uh, I will say this that I'm also Doug. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'm putting together an online course uh, called Grow Smart, Finish Big, and it's it really sort of takes some of the lessons of Finish Big and uh, sort of presents them in a way that allows people to really sort of learn what is it step by step that you need to do in order to have the kind of a company that when you get to the point where you're going to leave, um, you know, you really do have the kind of options that you want. Well, that sounds that sounds fantastic. Now, is it said grow smart, finish big, and and we're going to have to uh, wrap up. And I hate to cut you short ever, but is that a website they can go to, or how uh, do they? Well, for right now, the best thing is to just go to my website, boburlingham.com, and I'll you know th there'll be a way to sort of click through to okay. find the course. The course is still in development right now, but uh, in the meantime, you know you've got this small giant summit coming up. I think that that would be. Uh, well worth your while to uh, to go to, and I'm sure you'll be there, Doug. Absolutely, there. 
I absolutely will. I've got it on my schedule already. And so, Bo, I want to thank you so much for taking time out and spending with us today. Uh, our goal is always to educate entrepreneurs and to try to provide them with, you know, great, solid information that they can go out and apply. There's seemingly in this world a, a whole lot of talk and, and not as much action nowadays. Uh, and in the entrepreneurial world, it can be, you know, more and more difficult to do all the things that have to be done. And so we appreciate you know, your feedback, your in, you know, the input you've given us. And again, everything I've ever seen from you has been absolutely top-notch. So I highly recommend anything just about blindly, even without reading it, that, that has Bo Burlingham's name on it. So I'm looking forward to this Grow Smart and Finish Big. And BoBurlingham.com, B-O, uh, is uh, not, not B-E-A-U or anything, but it's just a regular old Bo, as you spell it. And thank you so much for your time, Bo, and we'll, uh, we'll be in touch with you. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show now, and so make sure to tune in next week on Wednesday from 10 to 11 Central. And we just really, uh, really want to make sure that we've educated everyone. We want to thank our sponsors again, freeelectricitydfw.com, all3reports.com. That's all the number three reports with an S.com, repairmycreditnow.com. And um, Autoflex Leasing also, you might have heard their commercial running. They have been doing some sponsorship as well. So we're so appreciative of all of that. Remember, you can make money or you can make excuses, but you cannot make both. Go out there and be ambitious. Thank you for listening to Texas Money and Business on 1160 AM KVCE. Tune in weekdays at 10 AM to hear more leading experts giving you all the information you need to know on Texas Money and Business.